favorite passages. I, I don't know. I say that a lot. I have a lot of favorite passages in Scripture. But this one gives me so much hope and encourages me every time that I read it. Second Kings chapter 6. This is during the reign of Jehoram, the king of Israel. He is the son of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And our text is from a portion of Second Kings that reports all of these miraculous exploits of the prophet Elisha. He is the one who had that double portion of Elijah's anointing. And we're going to begin reading here, and then you can be seated. Uh, but just a couple of verses, beginning in uh, verse 8 of Second Kings 6. It says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with the servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place. For thither the Syrians are come down, and the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and he warned him of and saved himself there, not once or twice. In other words, he did this several times. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants, and he said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he's saying, There's a traitor in our midst. Who is helping the king of Israel and telling them about all of our preparations for war? Continues. Says that one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore, Send he thither horses and chariots, a great host, and they came by night, and they compassed the city about. So here's the king of Syria, he's telling his army, go and shut up the prophets. Shut this man of God up. I don't like the fact that he's warning the king of Israel about everything that we're going to do. So they went to Dothan, they went to surround the city. Verse 15 says that when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both. With horses and chariots, his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Come on, is anybody thankful for that promise today? That those, are for, those who are for us are more than those who are for them. Two more verses. Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire, round about Elisha. Well, we're surrounded, just not the way that you think that we are. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord, and he said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Amen. Oh, what beautiful irony in that passage, the prophet saying, Lord, open the eyes of my servant so that he can see and blind the eyes of the enemy. Amen. I'm praying that same prayer today. I'm praying, God, open up our eyes so that we may see. Lord, help us to have an awareness that there is a host of heaven's armies that are encamped around us today. They have us surrounded but I believe that we have a host of heaven's armies that are around us right now that are surrounding us and they can fight for us. 
God, I'm asking you right now, Lord, blind the eyes of the enemy. Disrupt the plans of the enemy. Lord, hinder the purpose of the enemy. Lord, if you would, just before you're seated, just, let's, just, let's just pray this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, Lord, I, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we can come here and gather together as a church family. But, Lord, I see, Lord, us in all of our circumstances of life. God, we may feel surrounded today as we gather in this place. But, Lord, I'm praying that you would open up our eyes to see that we would be aware of the host of heaven armies that are fighting for us today. God, help us today, Lord. God, I pray that you would go against the work of the enemy. Lord, combat everything that he's, he wants to throw at us. Oh, by the authority of the word of God. Oh, by the power of the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare victory in this place. Lord, I declare, Lord, somebody, Lord, that they would rise up in them. Lord, and understand that you are fighting for us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. You can be seated in this place today. Thank you for standing. Preaching you to you today from this title, I Am Surrounded. Maybe you could just look at your neighbor right now and just say, I am surrounded. Or you could tell them, look at your other neighbor, say, You are surrounded. On you are surrounded today. You are. You're surrounded by a lot of good people. If you just look around this place right now, you'll see there's a lot of good people in here today. Maybe maybe just wave to somebody across the way. I'll just wave at them. It's good to see you here today. I'm surrounded by some great, great people. Amen. See, we today we are in a spiritual battle. The battle that we are in, it's, it's manifest in many different ways. And daily, we fight against the carnality of, of our flesh. That's why the Apostle Paul said that he said, I die daily. Jesus was uh, when, uh, talking on this subject. He said that we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. This is an everyday battle. And it's an everyday decision to deny ourselves and to follow after Jesus Christ. There's this constant barrage of, of evil that seeks to advance the kingdom of darkness with this militant intensity. The, the kingdom, it says in scripture that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. It's because there's a spiritual warfare that's taking place. Something beyond what you can see right now in the natural. There is a spiritual warfare that is happening right now. In the forces, uh, they are bombarding the very foundations of our faith through the, through the social and the cultural agendas that, well, they may sound good, they may look good on the outside, but they're seeking to render the gospel of Jesus Christ just, just moot. They're just trying to make everything that what Jesus can do pointless. They're stripping it away. They're, they're trying to replace it with, with the ideas of man and the, the, come on, the things that, that man can bring when God says, lean on me, trust in me, go on, lean on my word. Things like repentance. Our flesh doesn't like that. Sacrifice, commitment, obedience, holiness, righteousness, godliness, all of these things. The, the spirit of this world doesn't like those things, but God says, come on, if you're in my kingdom, then this is, this is how my, my, 
my subjects, or this is how my, my people, my, my, my children, this is how they live. It's in obedience and holiness and righteousness. Our flesh resists those things. The cultural and, and social agendas of our world, they, they like to strip away Christianity from those things. The, the agenda of this world is to make the church an impotent, apathetic church. And an impotent, apathetic church is a pathetic church. An apathetic church is a church that has no power. A church with no passion. A, it is a pathetic church. God didn't, God didn't put us here to be apathetic. God didn't put us here to be impotent. God placed us here on this earth to be the most powerful, come on, to be the most powerful force that there is. We have power in the name of Jesus Christ. The spirit of this age, the spirit of, of the darkness and wickedness, it does not have more power than what the church has. Yet so often we operate in a way that as if the, the enemy has all the power. Well, don't be deceived today. Yeah, we have an enemy. We have an enemy and he is, he has very, very clearly declared what his mission statement is. But we're not ignorant of our enemy's devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes and his tactics and his agenda. And so as Peter said, let's stay alert. Let's watch out for our great enemy, that roaring lion that walks about seeking to whom he may devour. When he's looking for some weak and vulnerable people, he's looking for somebody who is weak and isolated and disconnected. He's looking for those who've been offended or disappointed. He's looking on. This is what the roaring lion does. He's looking for those who have a critical spirit or a wounded spirit. Those who are more easily devoured. That's what the enemy's looking for today. So we need to be aware of his devices. We need to be aware of what he is looking for so that, so that we can be prepared and we can stand up as the church and as the people of God and we don't have to fall to the tactics of the enemy. Jesus would say that the enemy's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace today. Well, he wants to steal your worship. He wants to kill your ministry and your future and your purpose. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy the church. That is the agenda of the enemy. But I have news today for the devil. Jesus has already declared it. That upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, we have the promise from Isaiah that says that no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. Come on, devil, you cannot succeed. You will not succeed. Come on, when you are matched up against the weapon of the Lord, there is nothing that you can do to succeed against me. Paul. He would tell the Ephesians, he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You don't have to be strong. You just have to lean on the one who is. Be strong in the Lord. Use his power, the power of his might. Then you have all the power, all the strength that you need to get through whatever circumstance you're facing today. 
Paul, he goes on, he continues, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. But we are wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness that is in heavenly places or in high places. That is what we are fighting against today. So he says, wherefore, because that is our enemy, because that's who we're fighting against, take unto you the whole armor of God so that you can be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. When I'm challenging somebody today, would you stand against the work of the enemy today? Well, there's some shifting sand. There's some, some today who, who you're, you're looking around you, some moms and dads, some grandparents. If you, you can see the work of the enemy that's working in your family, I want to encourage you to stand today. Put on the armor of God. Let's stand for what is right. Let's stand for truth. Let's stand for holiness. Come on, take a stand for your children. Take a stand for your family. Let's take a stand for this church. Let's take a stand. Come on, for those who you're, who you are teaching and discipling. Let's take a stand for them. Come on, you're gonna have to rise up and declare war against the enemy as he is coming and battling against us. We are in a battle today. We're not fighting the battle ourselves. This is not a battle that you are fighting alone. God is waiting for a church, though, to arise and to say, Lord, we're willing to enter into the arena of the battlefield because we have some things today that are worth fighting for. Well, the truth is worth fighting for. Your relationship with God is worth fighting for. Your family being raised in truth is worth fighting for. Your soul is worth fighting for. Your family, your children, your grandchildren, this church, that's worth fighting for today. 2 Corinthians 10, it says, for though we walk in the flesh. I'll say it again. There ain't nobody in here who you don't have to deal with your flesh. We walk in the flesh. You can't pray and fast enough to not have to deal with your flesh. We deal with the flesh, but we are not waging war according to the flesh. It says, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not my ability. It's not my strength. It's not the, it's not my personality that's going to win the battle. It has nothing to do with me. My weapons are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds of the enemy. It says they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. See, we will not win this spiritual battle by carnal means. This is not a battle that we're, that we're uh, going into it with, with physical weapons or with things that we can come and pull out of our own abilities. We're not going to win this spiritual battle that way. We need spiritual weapons that God has given us because we are dealing with spiritual strongholds today. A spiritual stronghold is simply the enemy's deception. That's what I'm talking about, these, this spiritual stronghold. The enemy's deception. Here's the thing. Deception is scary. 
It's scary because you don't know when you're being deceived. It's a lie that somebody believes about themselves or you believe about others or you believe about God. Something like, like I'm not good enough. I don't have any worth, so why should I even try? Well, people, people, they just don't like me or people don't understand me. People don't care about me. Well, these are spiritual strongholds. These are things, mindsets, things that the enemy will use that will come against us. But the, there is a spiritual warfare that we need to fight against this because that is not the identity that God wants you to have. Well, maybe, maybe you believe the lie that God has forgotten you. That God, he doesn't love you. No, God, he doesn't know where I am today. God knows where you are. Well, these, these deceptive strongholds, they can produce fear. They can produce doubt. They can produce insecurity, intimidation. These are all things that the enemy will use to come against us. Spiritual strongholds. But we are not without weapons that are able to dismantle every thing that this enemy would come and bring against us. We have weapons to dismantle and destroy the works of the enemy. But obedience to the word of God will destroy the work of the enemy. Submission to the word of God destroys the work of the enemy. Dying out to your flesh destroys the work of the enemy. Go on through sacrificial giving, through sacrificial, go on through fasting and prayer. Exercising authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Claiming the power of the blood of Jesus. Come on, that can disrupt the, every purpose and plan that the enemy has set up against you. We have spiritual weapons today. Go back to the story that we began with in 2 Kings chapter 6. If King Ben-Hadad, he was warring against Israel and he would set up these ambushments against Israel. And God... He kept giving Elisha this spiritual insight. He would send word to Jehoram, the king of Israel, and and he'd say, don't go here, don't go there. This one, the enemy, he's he's getting ready to trap you over here, so you need to come over this way. You know, I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful that he can warn us about things that are coming up in our path, potential danger. I'm thankful that he can give us warning signs that the, the enemy's trying to ambush us with. The king of Syria, though, he was furious about this. He's, he's like, what is going on? We're, we're secretly doing this, and every time they change course. Can you imagine just how angry the devil gets every time that he sets a trap for you? And God, come on, he sends his word there before you. You open up the scripture that day, and the Lord just leads you to something. And you say, oh, okay, I need to be aware of this today. And, you, and you're on guard that day because the Lord has gone before you. His word, come on, has opened something up in you to say, all right, the enemy, he can use this trick against me. Or he can set this trap for me. But the Lord will prepare you for every trap of the enemy me imagine how how angry the devil gets every time he tries to come against you set these traps and the lord is is prompted you in this way or that way i don't you don't need to meet that person today you don't need to go there today i just imagine the enemy gets so upset every time that he realizes that god is always one step ahead of him god is always one step ahead of him god's already gone ahead he's already prepared a way of escape for us Before you ever get into the trap, there was a way of escape. 
There is always a way of escape that the Lord has for you. Come on, I don't know what you're facing today, but there's a way of escape that the Lord has prepared for you. The battle that's going on in your mind, the Lord has prepared a way of escape for you. The things that are going on in your spirit and your soul and you're questioning things right now and you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. The Lord has prepared a way of escape. You're going to get through this. God is, come on, he has things that are set up in purpose, on, on purpose so that you can, can thwart the plans of the enemy. When he thought that he had you, he didn't really have you. Back to the story, the king, Assyria, he was so angry. He thought there was a traitor in the camp. His men, they told him, no, 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 it's Elisha. That's this prophet of God. He, he's telling them everything. God's telling him uh, exactly what we're going to do. And he's going and he's telling the king of Israel. And so the king, he says, okay, get the horses, the chariots, get them all ready. We're going to go capture this man, Elisha. So let's go. They tell him he's in the city of Dothan. So we're heading to Dothan. When I'm preaching to somebody today who's surrounded. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Who walked into this service today and you felt some pressure coming in on every side of you. When you're feeling this battle on every side of you. And you don't just feel surrounded today. You are surrounded. You are surrounded. Well, it's a, it's a reality that you're dealing with right now. Come on, faith. Here's, here's the thing. Faith is not a denial of reality. Faith, it doesn't say to the mountain that it doesn't exist. Faith. It doesn't say that the enemy is not there. It's not a denial of the reality. It's just realizing that God is bigger than your reality. That's what faith is. Faith says, this mountain is here, but be thou removed. Faith says, okay, the enemy is coming against me, but God is greater than the enemy. I may be surrounded. You may be surrounded today. Come on, you don't have to deny that fact. But just know and have hope that God is surrounding your enemy. He has them, come on, on every side. And God is greater than anything that the enemy could come against you with. Or maybe there's somebody here today. You kind of you stepped into this place and you're like, you know, I'm just a rock bottom. I've tried and tried and tried things, and I'm here today, and I feel like I'm at rock bottom. Well, has anybody ever been there before? Anybody ever been just in a place where you're at rock bottom emotionally, or you're just there, and, and you say, I don't know where to go? And it's, I heard somebody once say, when you hit rock bottom, you've got two options. You either go sideways or you go up. You can't go down anymore. Well, sometimes... Maybe all that we need is a little bit of rock bottom just to push off of. Come on, just to get a little bit of momentum to say, all right, God, I see in the, in my lowest place and I have a little bit of something that I can push off of and launch from. And I believe that God sometimes when we get to the rock bottom, God's saying, all right, it's time to lift off. Come on, I need you just to push off from the bottom of where you're at. Look up to me and we're getting ready to do something great. Come on, I know that you may feel feel like you're laying low and nobody sees you but God says I see you at the rock bottom and I'm pulling you and if you extend your hand up and you begin to launch up come on I've got you and I will pull you come on out of the despair out of every depression come on the, the depression that you're facing the anxiety that you're facing and then you have some spiritual momentum you're saying I'm not staying down I'm not staying here so if, you, if you're a rock bottom today, I got good news. It can't get any worse. You can't go any lower. 
So use your rock bottom today. Come on, to get some stability in this moment right now. And, and where do you find that stability? I find it. I'm on my knees in prayer. And I say, Lord, in my lowest moment, God, I just know that your hand is reaching up for me. God, and that you're here. And I know, God, that in this place of despair, that you see me. And I need you, Lord, to launch me and pick me up. God, to do a place that I can finally feel free. Hallelujah, Jesus. When you make up in your mind today, use that rock bottom to launch yourself into the purpose that God has for you. It's verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 6. It says, when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? The servant saying, We've got to do something here today. What are we going to do? What is it that you have in mind, master? The enemy is surrounding us. We're not just going to let the enemy take this city. They're going to capture us and kill us. So how shall we do? The prophet said, well, let's start out with what we're not going to do. Here's what we're not going to do today. We're not going to fear. Don't be afraid. Don't you panic. Or for sure, don't quit right now. For those who are with us are more than those who are against us. <laughs> I love God's mathematics. I, I just love the kind of math that God can do. When God steps in, he says, okay, I have my servant of God here, the prophet of God. I have his servant and me against an entire army that's encamped around us. And yet, when the servant here, or he's, he's looking at the prophet, and he says, what do you mean? Those who are for us are more than those who are against us. I see a whole army of chariots, of soldiers that are surrounding us. But God, plus you, is a majority every time. If you have God on your side, it's a majority every single time. Every time that God steps onto the scene and he's fighting the battle with you, that equals more than all the enemies that can come against you. Because God is a majority all by himself. God outnumbers the enemy all by himself. And if God is for us, it doesn't matter how many are against us. It doesn't matter who's against us. Come on, if they are surrounding you, God has a majority all by himself. God's got you covered today. So go ahead. Let's use God's mathematics. If you're in a place right now where you feel surrounded, let's use God's mathematics. One man plus God is more than enough to defeat every enemy that's surrounding me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hands together right now. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, Lord, that you're on our side, that you're fighting this battle for us. Hallelujah. Then Elisha prayed. He said, oh, Lord, please open up the eyes of my servant. God, give us spiritual insight today. Oh, God, give us revelation today of who you really are. Oh, and if you're at a place where you want to give up, God, give them spiritual revelation. Give them spiritual insight. 
Come on, there's more to your situation than meets the eye. There's more going on in this sanctuary right now today than what you can see. There is more than just chairs and people and walls and cameras and lights and all this. Come on, there's more than just that. God is here with his host of heavenly armies. Come on, there is something that is in the atmosphere right now. Come on, if we have our spiritual eyes open, we begin to realize that there is more for us than there is against us. Well, the battle today is being waged. But if God can just open up our eyes for a moment, then you can see in the spiritual world, there's this cosmic clash of, of, of God against, against all this evil that's going on, even right here in this sanctuary today. There's things that are going on in your mind right now. Spiritual battles that are going on in your mind. If we could understand, Lord, God, help me to to stop focusing just on what I can see and realize that there's something beyond that. Got to open my eyes. Well, you've got to elevate your vision. Elevate your vision. Stop looking down. Church, we got to stop looking down. We We need to look up. Scripture says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Well, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. Elevate your vision today. Elevate your vision. The psalmist, he said in Psalm 27, 5, he said, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He will set me up upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore, Will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy? I will sing. Yeah, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Come on, you've got to elevate your vision today. You've got to look up. Get your eyes off of the enemy that's surrounding you. And just look beyond them. And you can see the host of heavenly armies that are surrounding them. Come on, where you are right now is exactly where God wants you to be. Where you are right now is exactly where God wants you to be. I think sometimes God uses us to get the enemy right into the position that he wants him to be in. God allows the enemy to surround us. He allows the enemy to position himself in such a way that we can feel overwhelmed in the moment. But God is just setting up the enemy for defeat. This is exactly what he did with the children of Israel. He kept hardening the heart of Pharaoh. Finally, Pharaoh lets them go. And Pharaoh, even after letting them go, his heart is hardened again, and he takes his armies uh, after them. They come to the Red Sea. The children of Israel cross over on dry ground. And then what happens in that moment where God had set them up? I'm sure there were some of them that had fear. The enemy's right on our tail. But God had them right in the very place that he wanted them to be. Because the Red Sea swallowed up the armies of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And they didn't have to look back in fear anymore. God can position you and position the enemy in such a place that God says, Watch me do the work that only I can do. Watch me work in the way that only I can work. Well, God will set you up for victory. God has positioned you. 
in such a way that you can win the battle that you're facing today. God has positioned the enemy in such a way that God says, let me show you how you're going to come through this very thing that you're facing right now. You feel like you're trapped. You feel like you are insecure. You feel like you're in a place that pits you up against the enemies of hell and you don't know how to get yourself free from it. God says, let me get to work right there in that moment. When you feel surrounded, that's when I do my best work. But if we could have our musicians make their way to the platform, I, I, I want to I give you some promises from the word of God. Some promises that we have, that we can hold to, that we can cling to. If the word says it, then it's true. If the word says it, you can declare it and know this will come to pass. Psalm 139 verse 5. You go before me and you follow me. Your place, or you place your hand of blessing on my head. I love I love how this is said in the Passion Translation. Listen to this in the Passion Translation. It says, you've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. Whew. Come on, I like what the Lord, come on, has to say to us. God has gone into your future to prepare a way. And in kindness, he's taken care of every bit of your past. His blood is covering your past today. Every decision that you've made in your past will not harm you. So that bad mistake, it will not harm you. That sin, it's lost its power over you. Psalm 125, verse 2. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem... So the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. Zechariah says, Then I myself will be a protective wall of fire around Jerusalem, says the Lord. I will be the glory inside the city. Psalm again, 34 verse 7. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Well, what promises? What promises? The angel of the Lord surrounds you today. He is defending you. If you put your trust and your fear in the Lord, yes, you are surrounded today, but you are not surrounded by that which you thought you were. The Lord is surrounding you. Oh, somebody just needs to tell the devil right now. Yes, I'm surrounded, but I've got news for you, devil. You are surrounded too. Come on, I've got God on my side. He has me covered. He will protect me. Come on, he watches over me. He's underneath me. He's above me. He's before me. He's beside me. He's behind me. He's in me. He's upon me. Come on, everything that I look, everywhere that I look, my God is there. My God is there. Hallelujah. Well, we're gonna sing a song before we do so. But I just wanna I just wanna put one more thing in some a very important New Testament parallel. Probably the greatest thing, the greatest uh, example that we could have where it seems as if the enemy had outflanked God was with the cross. It looked like the enemy had outmaneuvered God once and for all. He was killing. He was killing Messiah. Jesus 
was dying on the cross, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was being crucified. It seems as if the enemy was in the perfect position. The purpose of God, though, it was not surrounded by the enemy. In fact, the enemy had been contained in that very moment. Psalm 68. Psalm 68 is a messianic prophecy. It says, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. And verse 18 says, Thou hast ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. Paul would quote that verse, that section of that verse in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, speaking of Jesus Christ, the revealed Messiah, he says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he surrounded your captivity. The sin that had you bound, Jesus Christ took it captive. He surrounded it. He led captivity captive. He bound your bondage. He wounded the wounds that were designed to harm you. He destroyed the destruction that was intended for you. He condemned your condemnation. He shamed that which should have shamed you. He said, death has no sting. Hell, you you don't win this battle. I overcame you. I came out of the grave. Lord, he died, but death did not defeat him. He has surrounded everything that has come to surround you. He has led captivity captive. So whatever today is holding you captive, in your mind, in your spirit. Come on, I want you right now. If you could stand or if you can make your way to an altar, God is saying, I've already held it captive, but you need to set yourself free. Come on, let come on, let God have it. Lord, He's already taken everything that's holding you captive. He's already taken that captive. He's already surrounded it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, you may be surrounded right now, but would you just come to this altar right now? Would you lift up your hands wherever you are? Hallelujah.